continuing the series on Ruth. Ruth and Boaz at the threshing floor. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz your, our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barely tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor, and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you bless, may you blessed by the Blessed by the Lord, my daughter. May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Brother Keith. Yeah, I'll just invite up uh, Pastor Kevin, who's been uh, preaching through uh, the book of Ruth for the past few weeks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never, never got an applause to come up on stage before. This is nice. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Kevin is my name. I'm one of the student ministers at Captivate Presbyterian Church. I've been with you guys for the past couple of weeks as we go through the book of Ruth, and it is my pleasure to be continuing on the book of Ruth with you guys all. Uh, now, uh, Felicity and I, so my wife, uh, got engaged in December 2021. Uh, but the proposal story uh, isn't one of those dream fairy tale ones that you might have wished for. Uh, on the way, uh, there were so many bumps that really ruin the surprise of it all. Uh, I, I have three to share with you to just show you what kind of bumps we went through. Now, Felicity knew I was going to propose to her. We've talked about it before. 
Uh, we even measured her, things to, uh, her fingers together uh, so she knew. But what she didn't know was when I was going to propose, where I was going to propose, and most importantly, what the ring was going to look like. But here's the thing. Three months before the proposal, she somehow found my drawings of the final design of the ring that I was make, getting someone to make. In the same month, she was able to really work out that there was only really two days in the rest of the year where it was possible where I was going to propose. And then on the day of the proposal, as we we're getting ready to leave the house, my mother yells across the kitchen, Kevin, did you bring it? There goes the surprise. Not like there was one anyways. But the proposal in itself didn't fare any better uh, because the rain clouds were coming in as we were getting ready and having a picnic. We are a good 30-minute hike away from the car. And when I did propose, I forgot to get down on one knee because we were sitting down. Uh, she didn't really mind, but she made fun of me for that as well. I, I, I don't know about Felicity, but this was not the proposal that I had planned for. Uh, I, I didn't want anything big, but I didn't want everything to be revealed and not a go according to plan. Now, I don't know about you, but I am surrounded by people who love hearing engagement stories. Uh, I had to tell mine a countless of times, which I got kind of sick of. Uh, and, and whenever friends of mine get engaged, that's all the things that people want to ask. Tell us about the day. How did it happen? Uh, how did you feel and what did he do? And I think deep down, that is because we all long for love, don't we? Uh, we all love to see love blossom. And isn't proposals, besides the wedding day, just a pinnacle of that? But it's not just about romantic-type love that we long for, is it? Don't we all long for the love we might experience as a child from your parents? The love you want from your kids? The love you experience from your family and your friends? Uh, love seems to be hardwired into us as human beings, and we want real love in real relationships, just not summer flings or love that fades at the first sight of a speed bump. We want love that can stand the test of time, love with deep roots that can feed our very soul. And you know what? We can ask the same question of our relationship with God, don't we? We want to be loved by God, for Him to protect us, provide for us, call us His precious people, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like He has. This kind of question is the question that we've been asking through the whole time in Ruth. The, the book of Ruth has challenged us to think whether God loves us. And, 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 and we heard last week, how do we know that God is really providing and loving for us, especially when life is, seems to be falling apart? It's through His seen and unseen kindness. And well, as we head into chapter 3, uh, the harvest period has come and gone. And so the question is then, how will God continue to love and hold on to Naomi and to Ruth? Uh, so let me give us three headings to help us guide through our passage. Uh, so number one is a daring plan. 
where Naomi seeks rest by seizing an opportunity that is found in Boaz. Then there is a worthy proposal when Ruth lays down her life before her Redeemer. And then lastly, a faithful promise where we see Boaz promise that he will not rest until all matters are sorted. And the big idea for us is this today. We want to ultimately be a people above all else, long for God's faithful love and live in God's faithful love. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, our world needs to know your faithful love. All our hearts too often need to be reminded of your faithful love. Help us see that unfold in Ruth and help us see that ultimately in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. We're at point one, a daring plan. Uh, let's pick it up again at verse one and see what Naomi's daring plan is. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young woman you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on a cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he had finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. We begin with Naomi's concern for Ruth. Ruth has shown herself to be an incredible woman sticking with Naomi even when times were hard, uh, abandoning her home for Naomi, working extremely hard to put herself in danger, to pick up grains from a stranger's field. But for Naomi, Ruth was a young woman. Ruth should be thinking about her future, her security, and back in their time, it meant marriage and children. And surely Ruth couldn't be picking up bits of grain for the rest of her life. As we're hearing this, we should be having a flashback. Back in chapter 1, Naomi had a prayer for Ruth. She said this, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And Naomi's prayed for God's kindness to come into Ruth's life. But now she has a plan. She sees Boaz and thinks this may be God's answer to that prayer. So she tells Ruth to wash up, put on something that smell and put on something that smells nice, put on some clothes that will make her look nice, and go and meet Boaz. Uh, go find him at the warehouse where they process the grain. And to go later in night when he's in a good mood, when he had a good feed and had a good, a good drink and had good rest. Because Naomi has a daring plan. And what was that daring plan? Was it to woo him with Ruth's beauty? <laughs> no, it, it was to uncover the cloak that was covering his feet and then to sleep next to it. Now, people argue what 
that exact meaning of it to, to uncover one's feet actually means. But the gist of it is to actually be a very strong signal that Ruth is willing to be his wife. That she's proposing to Boaz to redeem her in marriage. This was a daring plan, especially in a patriarchal society. And Naomi is definitely thinking out of the box to get Ruth a husband and to secure her future. But what was Ruth's reply or response to this crazy plan? If it was me, I, I would assume it would be normal to be hesitant. <laughs> Imagine if your parents were playing matchmaker like this. Who knows, even though that Ruth and Boaz had some interaction, Boaz behind it all may turn out to be a dirtbag. She might be in danger. Boaz might be so uptight and upright that he's offended by this out-of-box proposal. It's risky. It's daring. But Ruth says in verse 5, All that you say, I will do. Once again, Ruth's allegiance to Naomi is pretty incredible, isn't it? If not pretty insane. Now, at this point, we might be thinking that Ruth is a matchmaking story, something that's prime for reality TV. Now, I think as human beings, we have this general obsession with matchmaking, the thrill of, ooh, will this work out? Uh, we have a billion uh, of TV shows about trying to make love happen. Uh, love is Blind, uh, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Married at First Sight, Indian Matchmaking, uh, for, for the Koreans here, Singles, Inferno, Heart Signal. I didn't know that Heart Signal had two seasons, by the way. I, I don't know if there's more. Um, I haven't watched it, but I heard it's good. <laughs> but the, the really interesting thing, right, is because these TV shows set up all you need to find the one. But no matter how difficult or how carefully things are orchestrated at this point, no matter how good some people might be at matchmaking, the one thing that is always out of control is love. If these people don't have love between them, then all the planning, all the production, all the matchmaking doesn't matter at all. We might laugh at these guys, but I'm sure we have some plans or prayers as to how love might come into our lives. Whatever sort of love you're looking for, perhaps from your kids or your friends or your spouse or fiancé or significant other, don't we all have our own plans and our own prayers as to how you want love to flourish in your life? How good are your plans? Are they in line with God's plans? You see, Naomi prayed for rest and blessing for her daughter-in-law. And at this point in the story, perhaps we're asking the question, how will God use her plan for making that rest and blessing happen? At the beginning of our little episode, Naomi has hatched a daring plan. Uh, Ruth has shown incredible obedience. 
And the question that is set before us is whether this plan is part of God's plan to answer their prayers. We're at point two, a worthy proposal. Let's pick it up from verse 6 to see what happens. So she went down to the threshing floor and did as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went down to lie down at the end of the heap of the grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she said, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I'll do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight. In the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Uh, Ruth executes Naomi's daring plan to a T. And so here we are under the moonlight in the warehouse where Boaz and probably some other workers were resting after a long day of work. Food and wine in their belly, fast asleep. Ruth quietly approaches Boaz and uncovers his feet and lies down. And so I expect with the cool wind tickling his feet, Boaz wakes up to put the blanket on him, but it, instead he finds someone sleeping next to him. And like anyone would probably do when you find someone sleeping at your feet, he freaks out and he asks, who are you? Now I wonder if you've noticed that Ruth goes a little bit off script here. She doesn't do exactly what Naomi tells her to do, but instead of just waiting for Boaz to tell her what to do, she speaks up. She says, spread the corner of the garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. What is she saying here? Uh, there's a custom that men would cover their brides uh, to be, uh, to, with their corner of their cloak. Uh, to signify that the woman is coming into the wing of the husband, uh, to come under his protection and his care and his rest. And so Ruth is actually, what she's actually doing at this moment is saying, if you like it, then you should put a ring on it. Just as Naomi's words should be triggering a flashback to chapter 1, we heard something similar like this before, didn't we? Because last week, Boaz said something similar to Ruth as well. Uh, Boaz said this in chapter 2. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. 
the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz had a prayer for Ruth, knowing what kind of woman she is. Impressed by the kind of woman she is, he prays that God will take her under his wing. That was Boaz's prayer for Ruth. And now Ruth has come with a proposal to bring that into a reality. It is a worthy proposal. And Boaz is not offended. In fact, he's overwhelmed. For Boaz, this was even greater, a greater show of faithful love than what she did for Naomi. What Ruth did here was greater than what Ruth did for Naomi. You see, Boaz is not a young man. Uh, we don't need to over-romanticize this story. Uh, he isn't a young Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, which many people would say would be their heartthrob. Uh, Boaz was an older man, probably without the abs, probably past his prime, and one of those guys who wouldn't stay up, but rather look at their watch at 9pm, wishing that they were home and in bed. But Ruth is not superficial or selfish. Uh, Ruth is a worthy woman, and the whole no town knows that. She's a woman of extraordinary kindness. And Boaz loves that. That's what Boaz is overwhelmed about. That Ruth would not go after young men, but instead show extraordinary kindness to an old man like Boaz. We're right now seeing a different picture of love here. It's not so much the shallow, sugar rush, sweep you off the feet kind of deal. It's less airy romance and more robust affection. Things that come from a deep affection, deep commitment to one another. Ruth has been like that to us throughout this whole story. For Naomi and now to Boaz as well. This is the real love that Ruth wants to show us. In, in fact, this is the true love that the Bible wants to impress on our hearts. I, I want to teach you a Hebrew word. Uh, now, some people say to never do this in sermons, but I think if there is one Hebrew word that is worth learning as a Christian, it is the word hesed. Uh, say it with me. Uh, I can't do it very well, but you have to have a, a little bit of a COVID grunt to it. You have to go like hesed. So say it with me. One, two, three. Hesed. Yes. There we go. Hesed is a very extremely special word. Uh, we actually see this in the Bible all the time. <clears throat> it, it, it's so special, in fact, that even the English dictionary cannot capture its essence in one word. Uh, actually, throughout the Bible, the word hesed is actually translated very differently across the Old Testament. Because hesed captures an entire cluster of wonderful qualities of God. 
love, mercy, grace, kindness, goodness, benevolence, loyalty, faithfulness. It's the kind of love that comes from a deep place. A kind of love that goes above and beyond. In fact, I think hesed is the love that we all long for. Hesed is the love we want to see between a mother and her child. Hesed is the love we want to see between husband and wife. Hesed is the love we want between true friends. And Hesed has been sitting at the background throughout the whole story of Ruth so far. Let me show you something here. Uh, Naomi's prayer is that the Lord may show his hesed to Ruth. Ruth says this in Ruth 1 and 8. Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you hesed, or kindness, as he has shown hesed to your dead husbands and to me. Boaz is a man of hesed, and may the Lord bless him. The, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not sho- showing, uh, stopped showing his hesed to the living and the dead. And Boaz is this man who has been living out God's hesed. And Naomi and Ruth has been enjoying the benefits of it. And now Ruth is a woman of hesed. As we saw this a little bit earlier, it says this, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This hesed, this kindness, is greater than that which you showed earlier. And so here is a moment of true love, of hesed. We have Naomi praying and planning for hesed. We have people who show and live hesed. We've seen Ruth's undying hesed to Naomi. We have seen Boaz's hesed in generosity. This story is a story of hesed. You see, what happens in movies is that when there is true love, it results in people ripping each other's clothes off. It means burning passion. That's what our culture tells us what true love is. But that's not what we see here, right? True love is a deep moment of commitment. They are reflecting God's love, and we see that God's love, God's hesed, is much deeper and much more personal and much more real. And so with a twinkle in their eyes and love in the air, Boaz probably says the most unsexiest thing. He says, actually, there's this other guy who's next in line to marry you. Uh, we should sort that out first. Come on, you're so, you're so close. You look good. You smell great. But lie over there and, and, just, and I'll scoot over here. And in the morning, I'll sort it all out. Boaz is really a godly guy here. He's a Hesed type of guy. He matches Ruth's overwhelming kindness with his promise. He says, do not fear, I will do for you all that you ask. 
If that guy doesn't redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will. What we do see here is that we're watching Hesed blossom. We're watching true love, real love. More importantly, we are seeing the invisible Hesed of God coming through all of this. It comes through in people seeking rest for others. It comes through the daring plans. It comes through worthy proposals. And it comes through faithful promises of these Hesed people. And so here is the question that we need to ask. Can you feel God's love? Can you feel God's chesed? So we're quite not there yet. It's a wee bit anticlimactic, but we're left off with a faithful promise. Uh, Let me finish off our passage and pick it up from verse 14 for us. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, "Let it be known that the woman came. Uh, let it not be known uh, that the woman came to the threshing floor." And he said, "Bring the garment you were wear- wearing and hold it out." So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told all that the man had done, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Early in the morning before anyone else wakes up, Boaz sends Ruth home. He's probably like, I should probably give Ruth something, but this was kind of sprung on me. I got no chocolates, I got no roses, but I got plenty of barley. So Boaz loads Ruth up with barley as a sign that he will fulfill his, uh, his promise to Ruth, but also to Naomi. All of this is totally in character with Boaz. He's guarding her reputation. And he's also giving her a sign of his promise. And, and, and so Ruth goes home and reports all that, uh, all that happened to Naomi. And what does our ma- daring matchmaker do? Well, Naomi tells Ruth to just wait. We began with Naomi seeking rest for Ruth, but now they wait in the hands of Boaz. But in the hands of a redeemer like Boaz, we can be sure that he will not rest until redemption is complete. So the ending to our little episode in Ruth 3 today is a call to wait. It's not quite the happy ending yet, We're left waiting, waiting for Ruth, uh, with Ruth, and waiting with Naomi. We're waiting for Boaz, the Redeemer, who to come good on his faithful love. And that's where we're going to be stopping in our story. But waiting is hard, isn't it? I I, I don't know about you, but I don't. uh, Have you ever had to wait for things? 
Uh, just last week, uh, Felicity and I finally got hold of our puppy that we've been waiting for the last six months to be born. Uh, I, I never had a child, but I'm sure that 10-month wait is quite agonizing as well, not only for the wife, the mother, but also for the husband. Uh, maybe it was waiting for that clock to strike five to mark your three weeks holiday. Maybe it's waiting for that toilet to open up as you ran around in circles, busting to pee. Uh, maybe it's waiting for that person who would hold you in their arms and to tell you that they love you. Waiting is hard because we just want to feel the joy in the fullness when those things happen. And maybe that is where some of us are here today, meeting with God, waiting and longing for God's love. Not that we don't know God's love. We know something of God's love. But do we know, know God's love? Do we know that it, we can feel its warmth in our life? Have it cut into our hearts? Wouldn't it be great if that type of waiting was already over and that we had that? If we could feel the full power of God's love in our lives now? You know, we, we, we've seen a mishmash of God's provisions and human prayers and pursuits so far. It teaches us that how to long for and live for faithful love, for hesed. If the lesson for us last week was to learn to see it, today's lesson is for us to continue to long for it and to live in it and to not settle for anything less. The Apostle John tells us this in his letter. This is what he says. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God, his only son, uh, sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Not, uh, not, not, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. You see, we need to know that God's hesed is no longer invisible. God's faithful love, his redeeming kindness is shown to us in Christ. Jesus is shown to us in the full. We don't have to look because God has sent his son, Jesus, to us in plain sight. God's hesed is seen on the cross. It's seen with Jesus' blood. If we're in awe of how a daring plan what that was of Naomi, if we're in awe of a, word, a worthy proposal beautifully led to a faithful promise, the gospel is a million times bigger than that. Because God's greatest 
grandest display of love, of hesed, is that when we had devilish proposals and wretched plans, He was faithful to His promise. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. He bled for us, and He redeemed us. But here's the second thing that should be blowing our minds. God made His hesed visible in Jesus Christ, and He also makes it visible in you. Just like Ruth and Boaz, who lists out the hesed of God, when we live out the hesed of God, it's just not us being decent people with Christian values. We are making God's love tangible and visible. Naomi planned, Ruth proposed, and Boaz promised. But Jesus has delivered God's redemption. And you, and you get to bring that sure hope to anyone who is longing for real love and life. So that we don't wonder whether God's love will come good. That we won't wonder what love will look like. That we don't love, wonder what love feels like. Because we know exactly the type of love we live in in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know exactly the love we long to fill our lives and your life. As we wrap up, let me leave us with two things to be our challenge. And that is to long for and to live in God's faithful love. So to live in God's faithful love. This is an incredible opportunity for you to love people with the greatest love that is known to mankind. Naomi and Ruth and Boaz lived out God's hesed to some degree. And John is telling us that there is a part of God's good design as we know Jesus for every man, woman and child who has the good news in your heart, by His Spirit, who knows your daring plans, worthy proposals, and faithful promises will be used by God to soothe people and to settle people and to even save people. I'm sure some of us here in this room is waiting for that hesed. But you know us? All of us in this room might be the answer to that prayer. You might be God's display of God's hesed to them. That's what church is all about. God's love is more than just nice. It's a necessity. It's the redeeming kindness, that faithful love that your mum needs, that your dad needs, the kids need, your spouses need, your mates need, and your neighbours need. Live for showing that love. Second thing is to long for God's faithful love. This passage really isn't about longing for your Boaz or your Ruth. Please don't get that impression. We, we need to know that that's only a sliver, a shadow of God's faithful love. 
Naomi's love, Ruth's love, Boaz's love points out to us God's love. Friends, I have no clue what your love life is going to be like in your life. But I can tell you, don't bank on some fairy tale ending. There is only one place where longing will deliver and not disappoint. Whatever lack of love you feel, long for Christ. Live out His love. There's nothing like it. Set your eyes on it, and I want to assure you, and hopefully you've got some sense from Ruth 3, that God's love is patient and it is kind. It does not boast. It does not envy. In it, love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes in all things, and endures in all things. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your hesed that you have shown to us on the cross. We thank you for the hesed that we see in people like Naomi and Ruth and Boaz as they point out your hesed. Lord, make us hesed type people. Help us show your hesed to our family and friends and to our neighbours. Help us be Hesed people to each other in this church. Help us feel your Hesed and long for your Hesed and live in your Hesed. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to your promises. Help us, Lord, to latch onto it, never letting it go. Help us through your Spirit, we pray. Amen.